Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts, and coming to you from the wee hours in the morning on Maroon Friday. And what a magnificent Maroon Friday it is. Like many of you, I have been worried for some time about the possibility of Mississippi State losing to Ole Miss in the intercollegiate college football game. I am very relieved this morning. I have not been to bed yet. I will be shortly. I'm very relieved to know a few things. Number one, Mississippi State retains the golden egg. Number two, Mississippi State is headed to the postseason for the 10th consecutive year. Our grandfathers and forefathers and their fathers and the people around them dreamed of this day and how fortunate we are to be able to experience it up close and personal. I, for one, will not take it for granted. 
I remember many, many years hoping Mississippi State would have the opportunity to play in a postseason bowl game, only to see those hopes dashed over and over and over again. And most of you are old enough to remember a time when Mississippi State pretty much went an entire decade without a bowl game. And in case you're wondering, it's the previous decade. We went through the Snow Bowl in 2000. We win that ball game. We don't go to another bowl game until 2007. When Booby Dixon and Wesley Carroll and Derek Pegues led us to a 10-3 win over Central Florida in Liberty Bowl. We were so happy to go. We set the bowl attendance record because we were so happy to go back to a bowl game again because it felt like it had been forever. And many of us felt like, you know what, Steve, we're about to kind of take that same dip again. We're going to go back to those years. Our run is over. Well, not yet. Not yet. The Bulldogs live to play on another day. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I was there earlier. Went for the late night nosh. Took the family. Uh, had everybody in for Thanksgiving. Went Wednesday night, and I'll tell you, I'm so grateful. So grateful that our friends at Bulldog Burger Company did not have abbreviated hours on Thanksgiving Eve. We went had a great time. It was great. It wasn't quite as busy, but we went had a good time. Uh, kind of a limited menu after 10 o'clock, but uh, able to get the Bulldog Burger, uh, several orders of wings, some uh, spring rolls, of course. Uh, and so if you're in town, maybe you think, you know what, there's not going to be a great restaurant-quality hamburger to be had in Starkville after 10 o'clock. You're wrong. You're absolutely dead wrong. You can find that at Bulldog Burger Company. Let me encourage you, too. Remember, there are two locations to serve you, one now in Starkville and Tupelo. On, so on University in Starkville and Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Bulldog Burger Company, a place where everyone goes to meet, M-E-A-T, again, in Starkville and in Tupelo. I want to thank them for their patronage and support of the show all these many years. Please go by. Feast on the great restaurant-quality hamburgers available to you at all hours of the day at Bulldog Burger Company. So let's get right to this, and then I'll, I'm going to talk about this game. I'm going to talk about some of the ball stuff I'm hearing. Then I'm going to talk about what it all means for uh, Mississippi State, Joe Moorhead, and uh, as I told you guys earlier this week, we're not going to talk about the rest of the weekend. We've already made those predictions. We're going to talk about Mississippi State. You didn't tune in to hear me talk about the barn burner between Arkansas and Missouri. You came for one reason and one reason only, to hear about the Mississippi State University football program, part of the premier college athletics programs here in the state of Mississippi. So interestingly enough, you know, I go out there for the coin toss, get a couple pictures, and we use those things over on Gene's page. And we lost the, the coin toss. And by my recollection, we are 1-11 and 11 on the coin toss. I don't think, I think we've won one coin toss the entire year. We lose this one too. I was a little concerned about that all week. I thought, you know what, if I win the toss, I might take the ball first just because I'm scared of John Rice Plumley. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I thought, you know what, the last thing we need is for him, you know, that they've had two weeks to prepare and they, they, they work out some, you know, wrinkle and they come out there and they hit a big play early and all of a sudden we're sitting on our hands and uh, we're down early chasing the game. So maybe I take the ball first. And even if I only get a first down or two, you know, I, I can punt and kind of flip the field on them and they're kind of playing behind, the, you know, the field position game. Well, they defer, so we get the chance to get the ball first. I'm thinking, okay, this is great. This, while we didn't win the toss, it's working out just as I expected it to. And that lasted for about one play because Sam Williams, the talented linebacker from Ole Miss, he penetrates immediately. We got absolutely destroyed the first play of the game. That's one of the things we talked about. You know, we got to come out to set a tone. Well, I thought Ole Miss came out and punched us squarely in the nose the very first play of the game. Garrett Schrader, you know, they, they called it a run for five yards. I don't know that there was enough time to, uh, to really diagnose the play. 
to determine if it was a uh, run or pass. But either way, it was second and 15. Cowan goes for three. Schrader incomplete. And Kader Shepard's right there in the backfield. Already I'm getting worried about our offensive line. And I know it's a short week. But this is the Egg Bowl. It's a battle for the Golden Egg. And then we have our first special teams miscue of the night. We get uh, flagged for false start. We back it up even more. And we get a good punt from Tucker Day. 45 yards down to the Ole Miss 31. Fair call by Elijah Moore. And then you know, things get a little interested here. Right out of the gate, they hit a couple of big plays. Uh, Plumley goes for 12. Jury and Ely goes for 14. They get another short run. And then Plumley goes again to Ely on uh, – and Martin Emerson makes a tackle out there. And it just felt like, you know what, these guys are going to go right down the field and score. That's how it felt. And I thought, you know what, this is so reminiscent of the 2015 game. Where we, you know, Dak fumbled on the first drive and Chad Kelly goes down and scores. And it felt like we were in trouble right out of the gate. It had a very similar feel. Jerry and Ely rushes for a yard. And gets, uh, gets hit pretty good there. Errol Thompson knocks it loose. Brian Cole picks it up. And uh, the initial drive is thwarted. And while we made a play to get him off the field, I was a little concerned. He's like, yeah, I'm glad we, we, you know, we went and made something happen here and forced a turnover. But we can't keep giving up these sustained drives. At some point, you know, they're going to cash in. So we get the ball right out there at 31. Get a chance to go out, maybe get a first down, flip the field on them. We don't. Pass complete to Cowan for one. Cowan goes for five. And then Schrader is sacked for a loss by Bernito Jones. And again, I'm concerned about the offensive line. It just seemed like we weren't ready to play. We weren't bringing any nastiness. I felt that we did not match the tempo. We didn't match the intensity and the tone from Ole Miss. It really felt like they were the tone setters early on. We get a 41-yard punt on Tucker Day. Another first catch. It's back at the Ole Miss 24. Then the defense begins to kind of stiffen up a little bit here. It's kind of like, okay, all right. We had that first drive. We've been out here on the field. It's one thing to see John Rice Plumley and Jerry Neely on tape. It's another thing to see them filled up. It's another thing to be out there and run around with them and say, okay, all right. We've got to make an adjustment here. And we did. Ely goes for four. Snoop Connor goes for two. And then there is a false start on uh, Drummond. Backs him up five. Now it's a third and nine play. And uh, it really kind of changed the dynamic of the drive because, you know, third and four, you've got options there. Third and medium, you know, you can do some different things with the quarterback. You can give uh, Plumlee the, the run pass option. Well, you get in third and nine, it's a different deal. So they ended up uh, running a pass play. It's incomplete to Elijah Moore, Brian Cole, in the face of Plumlee, kind of forced a quick throw there. Uh, and, and listen, I thought Plumlee threw it a little bit better in this ball game, but uh, the, the route tree is pretty simplified when he's on the floor. You know, it's just it's it's not it's not like it is when Matt Corral's out there. So now all of a sudden we get the ball back, and I think it's like okay, we've got some good things going here defensively. We've made we forced a turnover, and uh, we get a three and out. Their, line, their second drive, three plays, just a one yard. We finally get going offensively. And I told you guys on the show, we needed to win the first quarter. That's really been so important for State this year. In every game that Mississippi State has won, we have won the first quarter. That's about to happen here. Garrett Schrader completed Dedrick Thomas for 20. thought Dedrick had a really good game. Dedrick's had a very solid senior season. Schrader rushes for two. We're out at midfield by now. Uh, Schrader didn't complete to Farad for 23. Another very good uh, play design here. We have done a good job. People talk about, well, tight end needs to be a bigger part of the offense. Down the stretch, it has been. We have utilized Farad Green a lot more. Same situation here. It's a play action rollout. We dump it out to Farad. He goes for 23. I don't know that he ran harder all year than he did on this play. And he and Miles Hartfield, you may know him from uh, you know, some exploits he had as a recruit. But uh, Miles Hartsfield knocked from the game, did not return. And for you know, Farad, I thought, brought some real physicality. I think, I don't know what happened on the sidelines, but it felt like we were challenged. And it felt like, you know, like Farad Green ran the football very hard on that play. And I joked with somebody next to me, and I said, you know, 
he's over there taking no prisoners, you know, and uh, and it showed. And then Nick goes for 27 and a touchdown. Great run. I have said the entire time Nick Gibson has been here, he has the best vision on the team. I do not know why he has not played more. Maybe I'll just call Greg Knox one day when this thing is over and I'll just say, Greg, what am I missing with Nick Gibson? Because it's been two different, three different running back coaches, excuse me, in Nick Gibson's career. For some reason, his his carries are somewhat limited. Big, big run on senior night for Nick. Gets us into the end zone there. Uh, might have even been untouched. It was a great, great run by Nick. All right, so it's seven out there now. And then uh, Plumley incomplete to Elijah Moore. Jerry Ely goes for eight. Ely again for three. Gives him a first down. Snoop Connor goes for one. Thompson would have been tackled there. Plumley goes for five and then goes for one. Uh, one of the things, too, about that one, we had to Plumley the they should have been considered a sack. Leo Lewis with a big play there. Gets them behind the sticks, forces the third and long there. It's a third and 14. And at that point, it kind of becomes a predictable play call from Ole Miss. And uh, they, they list it as a one-yard gain. Uh, State's all in the backfield there. Really did a good job containing uh, Jerry, Jerry and Ely and uh, John Rice Plumley. So you get the 41-yard punt. And now you're beginning to think, okay, it felt like we were beginning to kind of take control here. Even though it's a 7 nothing ball game, it, it really b- looked like we had adjusted from the first drive and they, didn't, they weren't doing anything to surprise us anymore. Kylan goes for two. Garrett complete to Stephen Giddy for 13. He gets out of bounds. And then that is nullified by a holding call on the Quentin Sharp. I haven't seen the replay, but th- there were some people on the sidelines that disagreed with the call. I'll have to go back and see it because sometimes the emotion of the moment uh, kind of taints our vision a bit. Kylan goes for six, and then Garrett gets, Garrett gets loose. This was a big play in the ballgame very early on. On third and 12, Garrett gets loose for 16 yards and gets it out to the 40-yard line. Huge, huge play. And then we're complete to Keaton Thompson. Keaton making his 2019 debut. I thought he looked pretty good uh, and, and happy for him to get on the field, really. But, uh, you know, it's a nice wrinkle. Yeah, it's a nice wrinkle. And they had a whole package for uh, for Keaton. They began to change some things defensively. Joe told us in the postgame. But uh, Keaton on the field. Uh, then Colin goes for three on second and two, gets the first down there. Kylan then goes for two, and that runs out the quarter. Interestingly enough, we talk so much about the spread offense and RPO and that sort of stuff. Mississippi State dominated time of possession in that first quarter. And and that is you know, sometimes a forgotten stat these days because people say, well, you know, everybody runs tempo. I, I really think in a war of attrition like this, when you know it's going to be a physical ball game, when you know that both teams want to run the football, I thought this was important. State had it nine minutes and eight seconds in the first quarter. Ole Miss obviously left in six at five minutes and 52. State four or five passing in the first quarter. A couple penalties too. But, uh, but anyway, a very successful first quarter. State wins the first quarter, and you know what that means. Mississippi State, every game this year they won the first quarter, have won the ball game. Nick Gibson with 27 yards, Colin Hill with 21 in the first, Garrett Schrader with uh, with 11 when you back out the sacks there. But a good offensive quarter for State, despite the fact we had some offensive line issues the first couple drives. We come out the second quarter, the continuation of that drive, Colin goes for seven, and this really felt like the, the offensive line got challenged a little bit here. And we were going to come out there and be very, very physical and kind of show them this, you know what? We're fixing a lineup and run it right at you. And if you stop us, you stop us. And you know what? They struggled to do that. Colin for seven. Then Colin for 28 on third and one. Uh, gets it down to the Ole Miss 12. Colin for seven. Colin for three. Colin for one. Then there's one uh, for no, no game there. That's when he tried to dive over the top. And uh, Jerquez Jones did a good job kind of cutting his legs out from under him. And then Garrett Schrader rushes for one, and it's a touchdown. Garrett Schrader told us in the postgame that Colin told him, hey, pull the football here. Pull the football. They're, they're, all, they're all kind of focused on me. And so, again, this goes to show that Colin understands, and he's not just a selfish football player. That's one thing that happens a lot when you get around a goal line. Everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to score. 
but Garrett Schrader's the guy that cashes in here. It's a 14-0 game, and it really felt like that was a real statement drive for Mississippi State. You get behind the big offensive line, and, and remember, I mean, let, let's just you know kind of re- recap this again here. Every running play, every single running play on that drive was positive. Every single one. Outs- and, and listen, you had the one play, the uh, Stephen Gidry passed, it was nullified. It is a positive game every snap of this drive. And it really felt like we had figured some things out and we're beginning to kind of take charge of the game. It's 14-0. A lot of Ole Miss defensive players, and those of you that DVR'd the game, which is I'm sure most of you, go back and look. A lot of huffing and puffing and hands on hips. They were a tired defense early. And it really felt like, you know what, if we could get the ball back and mount a drive here, we've got a chance to possibly kind of you know put some distance between us and them. But it was a lot of fun at 14-0, but things were about to get interesting, weren't they? Ole Miss answers right back. Jerry Ely goes for no game. Plumley is complete to Elijah Moore for 27 yards. Ely goes for six. Then we get Plumley for a loss of two back to midfield. And then they, they connect at third and six, and it seemed like, okay, we're going to get off the field. It was a great pass, Dennis Jackson. Great throw and catch. They get down to Mississippi State territory, and then we've got Plumley for a loss. And then the, the big catch to Braylon Sanders. And it seemed like Braylon Sanders, and he's not the fastest kid, but somehow he continues to get open. He is a good route runner. He has a good catch radius. They, they took advantage. Uh, so 31 yards down to the Mississippi State 8. Connor goes for 1. Connor goes for 5. And then Plumlee runs off right side on third and goal. I think most of us feel like, you know what, if we can get a stop here on third down, force a field goal attempt, it's, it's a win. Didn't work out that way. Didn't work out. Defense played hard in the red zone, but we gave up some chunk plays. It's a 14-7 ball game. We come right back. I'm thinking, okay, let's go here and, and let's, let's get anything before the half, right? Anything. Schrader incomplete to Dedrick Thomas. Kylan goes for 13. We're feeling good. We're out to the 34. We're complete to Austin Williams for nine, which brings up a very manageable second and one. Kylan goes for three. It's a first down, guys. We're out there at the 46-yard line feeling good about life. And then I don't know what happened here. I don't. We had run the ball so well to make it fourteen nothing, and then something happened here. I don't. I don't know if Garrett checked out of some plays, or perhaps we saw something in their defense. But we go three consecutive passes. We're incomplete to Zuber, incomplete to Gidry, and then we have the. We just throw it out to Dedrick for loss of one. But there was there was pressure on just about every play there. And our, I think you know again hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I just don't understand. We're out there around midfield trying to mount some type of scoring drive, and all of a sudden we wanted to be the Mike Leach, Texas Tech air raid. I didn't agree with the play calling. I think a lot of you probably felt the same way. You're probably scratching your head a little bit. It's like we're running the ball this well. Why all of a sudden do we feel the need to stop running the football? Well, then here's what happens. We uh, Tucker Day – mishandles the snap on the punt and rather than just punting because you know he had plenty of time he makes an error in judgment and takes off on fourth and 11 not to mention remember he's you know 10 yards 15 yards behind the play so he runs and runs and runs and forgets that he is a punter and not a running back and gains just four yards and now now Ole Miss has it at the 49 yard line with 344 to go and it seemed like an absolute nightmare scenario it felt like you know we have dominated this game for the most part and we're at 14 nothing and then they answer back and now we have gifted them the ball at midfield with just enough time to go down and, and, and get some type of score and that's exactly what happens Plumlee is complete to Ely for 19. That's the 30-yard line, and they go for one. Plumlee for one, incomplete to Moore. Complete to Moore for six. Plumlee goes for 11, down to the 12. Plumlee goes for seven, down to the five. We call timeout to set the defense, and Plumlee goes for four, down to the goal line. And then uh, Ely rushes for no gain. Kendall Jones, big, big stop right there, really stepped in there. They end up backing him up five because of the uh, illegal formation. And then I thought, okay, we got a chance here. We've got a chance. They're incomplete to Cooley, and then Ely rushes for the touchdown with 34 seconds to go. 
and it's felt like we had lost all of the momentum for the Maroon and White. Up 14-0, and then back-to-back touchdown drives from Ole Miss. One of those, uh, they're the benefit of an extremely short field because of the Mississippi State special teams miscue. Like all of you, I was ready to pull my hair out right then. I got a lot more hair than most of you, so it's taken me a lot longer. I really felt like the score was not indicative of how well we had played most of the of the half, but because of a couple of big miscues and a couple of plays, and to give Ole Miss credit, they made State pay for the mistakes. So it's 14-all, and, you know, of course, the, you know, we, just, we basically run out the clock, and a lot of people booed that decision. Guys, that was the absolute right decision. We make a mistake right there and give up the field goal or anything, but them getting the ball right back, we've got an opportunity to be out of the ball game. You're not going to go throw the Hail Mary. It's not, you're not going to do that. Okay, so that was the right call. You just want to get in the locker room. You played well enough. You're even. Now, that quarter, Ole Miss outscores State 14-7, leads in time possession for the quarter, picks up six first downs, converts one-on-one, uh, one-fourth down. You know, it just felt like they kind of wrestled control of the game the second half of that quarter. So, at the half, Garrett Schrader, 6 of 10 for 60 yards, 23 yards, and at one sack early on. That's the same number as Plumlee heads. Both of them, 6 of 10, uh, 104 yards for Plumlee because he did hit a couple of big plays. But it was pretty much an even ball game in most statistical categories. Errol Thompson already had seven first-half tackles. Seven. Jacquarius Flanders with five. Did a good, we did, they did a good job. We, we, we mix and match a little bit on the spy. We didn't just have Willie Gay spying him the whole ball game. Jacquarius Landry spied him some. We kind of moved it around a little bit. And I thought that confused Plumlee some, especially in the second half. So let's get to the second half. Of course, the state has to kick the ball back. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, the first possession of the second half always makes you wonder. You know what I'm saying? It's like you think, oh, my gosh, who, who's going to make the best adjustment at halftime? Well, State did a great job. You get a three and out. Ely goes for two, Plumley for no gain, incomplete to Sanders. Lee Autry there with a good, good, pack, good tackle. They punt. We're right there at midfield. And this is I'm thinking, okay, it, at the very least, we'll put a couple first downs together here to kick a field goal. Well, we don't. Kylan goes for one. We're complete to Gidry for seven, who had a better game. Stephen Gidry had a really rough game against Abilene Christian. Had a good game against uh, Ole Miss. Kylan Hill goes for a loss of two. And it seemed like we were getting a little tentative at times here rather than just getting that field. So on third and two, we go for a loss of two. We punt there. Not a great punt, but we did pin them inside the 15-yard line. Moore fumbles it. We had three guys around there, and it's like we, we just weren't prepared for that. We, we like we never thought in a million years he'd put the ball on the ground. He did. I, if we had jumped on that, uh, we might have been able to go ahead and put the, you know put some distance between us and them, but uh, but didn't work out that way. State did get the ball back pretty quickly, though. Plumlee comes back in, goes for seven, complete to Ely for four on a first down. Then Ely runs for 13, and then we get Plumlee for a big sack there, get him behind behind the line, and that's a sack by Jaden Crumberty. And people remember this young redshirt freshman group and true freshman defensive tackle group. Uh, you know the best thing about them? And like the coach used to say, they become sophomores. These guys have really had a trial by fire and have been better down the stretch. And I thought in, on the interior line, we, we played a lot better. We, we get burned on the edges a few times, but I thought we played with some real grit on the interior. So Crumberty gets the big sack on Plumlee. Ailey rushes for four. They're complete to Dennis Jackson. And it was so frustrating because we were third and 12. And you think, okay, let's just make a play and get off the field here. They do complete the pass, get the first down out to midfield. And then, we, you know, they, they throw the little bubble out there. Dennis gets the one yard. Then Connor goes for 14. Connor goes for one. We sack Plumley back out to the 38. I'm thinking, okay, now we've got a chance to maybe get off the field here, maybe force a field goal try. And their field goal kicking is uh, it's been an adventure. And then Plumlee sacked for a loss of two yards, fumbles the football. Willie Gay picks it up. I thought Willie was about to take it back to the house. Returns at 17 yards, and for some reason we tried, we tried to lateral it. <laughs> yeah, I know we're trying to make a play there, but it didn't work out. Thankfully, 
thankfully, were able to get back on that thing at the Ole Miss 40-yard line. Very first play, Sam Williams again comes in. We gets, gets Garrett for a sack. Kylan goes for four. Then Kylan goes for five. And then it's fourth and three. And I think in many ways this was to play the ball game. It's a tie ball game. It's fourth and three. We're kind of in no man's land at 33. I guess you could try Jace Crispin out there. I think this is really, really on the edge of his range. But fourth and three, we make a great play, a great execution by Garrett Schrader. Dedrick Thomas crosses the backside. He's the inside receiver on the far side. Comes all the way across the field, and Garrett Schrader rolls to his left and waits and waits and waits for the play to develop. He could have taken the underneath receiver. He might have even could have run for the first down. Instead, he lays it up for Dedrick Thomas, who secures it, makes a great catch, and it's down to the 13. I think everybody in the stadium says, okay, worst-case scenario, we're going to get a field goal here and uh, get the lead again. Schrader goes for four. We give it to Colin and go for four, and then Garrett scores again. And uh, a lot of emotion out of the kid there. You know, it's one of the things Garrett has always kind of been credited to being a very even-killed player. He wasn't after that one. Very, very excited after that. And I think the team needs to see that. We kicked the ball off after that. And, um, you know, this is uh, this is when it really felt like State was about to, you know, was a, was a score away from, uh, from you know, pulling the shade down on the 2019 Egg Bowl. Plumley runs for eight. Ely goes for six. Ely goes for nine. I'm thinking, man, let's make a play. Connor goes for two, gets the first down. Connor goes again for two. Connor goes for six. And then we get him for a loss. And uh, had some ankle issues after that. And so that ended the quarter. And uh, they end up having to punt the football. And so they do. And so State gets the ball back after the first play of the quarter. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, let's anything we do here offensively, if we're able to go get any points whatsoever, this game is probably over. The way that the defense was played, it just felt like one score would put them away. Nick Gibson goes for 30, and we're already out to the midfield. I'm thinking, this is it. This is it. We've worn them out. We've won the war of attrition. We're about to put the game away. Nick goes for no gain. Then we're completing Javante Payton for 11 down to the 39, and you just feel like, okay, it's just a matter of time now. It's a first and 10 down at 39. We've got a fresh set of downs. Let's go ahead and put this thing away. Colin goes for three. Schrader goes for three, and it's a third and four, and I'm thinking, okay, third and four at the Ole Miss 33, kind of the same position we were in last time, except we've got an additional down to play with. And then Schrader gets out there and uh, fumbles the football. Felt like we had a chance there uh, to make a play in the passing game. Didn't work out. We fumbled the football and get nothing from the drive other than the fact we ran some time off the clock. And those minutes and seconds would prove to be very, very valuable later in the ballgame. So uh, they get the ball back, and I'm thinking, okay, I have seen this movie so many times in my life. Ole Miss will find a way to do something. They don't. Plumley goes for a loss of one. Ailey for a rush of five. Plumley goes for three on a third and sixth play. Comes up short. They have to punt. We fair catch it at 13. And you're thinking, okay, okay, we, we dodged a bullet there. We had that great sustain. We go score, and then we have another sustained drive that we're about to put them away. We figured it out. We'll go take care of business this time. Well, we don't. Colin gets a loss of three, then goes for two, and then we're complete to Dedrick for 10 yards. And this is the one that, that they initially ruled the first down. And then went back and reviewed it. And based on the in-stadium replay, he did look to be a little bit short of the line again. I hated it. I hated it. And I thought, well, you know what? It's so close. Since we got the call on the field, maybe uh, this will work out. Well, it didn't. And ultimately, we had to punt there. Got a really good punt from Tucker Day, 48 yards. No return. Down on the Ole Miss 30. But I was still like all of you, kind of thinking, man, one more foot there. And that's not a criticism of Dedrick Thomas. He made a great effort on the play. He just happened to come up a little bit short of the line. They bring in Matt Corral, and I think at this point they had realized that State had kind of solved the John Rice Plumley Rubik's Cube there. They had really struggled to move the football in the second half because I think we made some good adjustments. I think we did a great job mixing and matching the spy and trying to contain him and keep him in the pocket, not letting him get outside. 
and, and speaking with Earl Thompson in postgame, that's one thing that he said, we didn't let them circle us. We made them stay inside. We, we used contain. We didn't lose outside contain very often. There were some plays we did, but we didn't do it routinely. So Matt Corral comes in, immediately goes to work. Uh, complete to Drummond for 12, then complete to Drummond for 38. And then Snoop Connor goes for no gain. And then one, perhaps the best defensive play of the day. Matt Corral intercepted by Marcus Murphy. The Bulldog defensive backs did such a great job disguising that coverage. And Marcus Murphy baited Matt Corral into the throw. There was absolutely no question that ball was going to be picked. It was just a matter of if Marcus Murphy could hang on or not. He baited him into the throw. He breaks on the ball, undercuts the route, picks the ball off. It was a major league play. It looked so incredible. Go back and watch how how the guys rotate on that play, and you'll see they gave they gave Corral the look he wanted, but they had disguised the coverage. He didn't think the safety was going to be there over the top. It was a great play, great play. And I think at that point, Mississippi State fans were starting to feel it a little bit. You're thinking, okay, we're getting the ball back here. 6-10 to go, up a touchdown, let's put it away. Well, we go to work on the ground, Cowan for 16, Cowan for 3, Cowan for 8, which gives us the first time out of the 39. Cowan goes for third for 3, Cowan goes for 5, brings up a third and 2. And we elected to do like the run pass option there. We elected to get Schrader outside rather than just give the ball back to 8, which is exa- – I would have given it to Nick. I think they can get you 2. Well, we took a chance there, and I also understand the thinking, too, hey, let's get, get Garrett outside, and if it's not there, he can run for it. Ole Miss did a good job, and sometimes you just got to tip your cap. They did a good job getting outside, kind of anticipated to play, we, and we weren't able to get there. So he sacked for loss of eight yards. We got to give the ball back. Ole Miss calls timeout. We get a 51-yard punt out of Tucker Day. and we've Listen, I'll be honest with you, there's been times this year I've been hard on that kid. One of his better days, he owns Ole Miss. My goodness, go back and look at his numbers the last two years in the Egg Bowl. It's probably been some of his better games of his career. 51-yard, gets it down to the 10. Elijah Moore returns it out to the 18. Felt like we got a block in the back there. Didn't get called. That's okay because I really thought that Hubert Owens crew did a good job. For the most part, a couple. You know, you're always going to have one or two plays, but uh, it's not like Ken Williamson's crew where it just feels like it's a high school game uh, – Missing a crew somewhere because they're in start. We're calling an Alabama-Mississippi State game. But Ole Miss gets the ball back. Two minutes and six seconds to go. And like all of you, I'm thinking, here we go. If I'd have had a string of pearls, I'd have been clutching them. Corral complete to Mingo for nine. Corral rushes for a yard. And that's not his game. You know, it's like whenever he tucks it to go, I feel like it's a win for us. Incomplete to Mingo. Incomplete to Pellerin. Then we're, they're complete to Braylon Sanders, and it really felt like we had a chance to get off, you know, to make a play there. He gets open again. That's all Braylon Sanders does. I mean, that, that guy, I give him his credit. You know, he was the guy Mississippi State elected to pass on as a receiver, and then he goes on the Ole Miss, and he's had a good career. The play is then nullified by an ineligible downfield. There were some people on the Mississippi State sidelines earlier in the ball game that began to kind of call for those penalties. Hayes ineligible, Hayes downfield, Hayes downfield. You could hear it. And eventually they get a couple calls later in the ballgame. Matt Corral has been sacked for a loss of nine yards, and it really felt like, okay, this is it, fourth and 24. They're going to throw it down the field. We're going to knock it down. We're going to pick it off. It's over. Nope, that's not what happens. Somehow, some way. Braylon Sanders gets behind the defense. I still don't understand. Even I went back and watched the replay before I, I, I logged in to, to record the show for you guys. I still don't understand how that happens. He is running wide open. I, I guess Tyler Williams released him thinking he had safety help, and he should have had safety help. But whoever the deepest safety was did not rotate over to Braylon Sanders. And uh, and listen, give Matt Corral some credit to uh, to getting loose of Chauncey Rivers. You know, Chauncey had really been in his face on that drive, and he gets outside of containment, throws the ball up, and it's a completion. And then things got awfully interesting. And there we were all thinking, okay, this thing is over, thinking, are we going to have overtime? That's how it felt. Uh, Matt Corral incomplete to John Mango. They called the rough in the passer call on Brian Cole, and at the time I thought it was a ticky-tack call until I saw the replay. Any contact with the head, they're going to call. If you go straight up there and you don't extend your arms, you're going to get away with that. And you're going to have the same impact. You're, st- you're still going to get in his line of sight. 
you're still going to disrupt the pass there, but you're going to avoid the penalty. Uh, and so Brian, a little bit excited there. I'm not, not being critical of Brian. It's just one of those things that happens sometimes. Had happened on the road to BYU at Will Coleman, if you recall. State had a chance to get off the field, and they called rough in the passer because we had contact with the helmet. That's just how it's going to be. And so it was the right call. I didn't like it at the time, but now that I've seen it, without the emotion at the moment, I agree with the call. It was roughing the passer. I don't like it, but it was the right call. Incomplete to Braylon Sanders. Incomplete to Elijah Moore. And then complete to John Mango out on the sidelines. And this is when things got a little silly. So you had the offsides and uh, unabated to the quarterback. And there were some people that said, hey, in the postgame, why wasn't that a free play? Well, it's, it's not the NFL. And any time they call unabated to the quarterback, it becomes a dead ball. And so Braywood Sanders did catch the ball, did get a foot down, but because it was nullified because of the penalty. Then they're incomplete to Jason Pellerin. There is another penalty against Ole Miss for an eligible downfield. You back them up. Different offensive line. It's just kind of what they do. Ole Miss and Auburn both do a lot of that uh, and eligible downfield stuff. And when coaches catch it and kind of bring it to the attention of the crew, you can get a call every now and again. And again, State had been harping on this for a while. Uh, Macro incomplete to Elijah Moore. And they called pass interference on Brian Cole. After seeing the replay, I believe it was a bad call. I heard Matt Austin's uh, comments saying he thought he got there a little early. Uh, he didn't get there a little bit early. There did not appear to be any contact until after the ball had cleared. Uh, so based on a replay, I think that was a bad call. And uh, Jim Moorhead did kind of mention that in the postgame. He do use the Dr. Evil air quotes to say pass interference. Uh, I think it was a bad call. And then Matt Corral decides to keep the football and gets smashed at the two-yard line by Willie Gay. Uh, great play by Willie Gay down the stretch. I don't understand why Matt Corral didn't throw the football away. You only got one timeout left. You're trying to make a play there, I understand, but you're not a runner. I thought at this point, second goal from the two, maybe they, they would bring Plumlee Black in the ballgame. They did not. I think that was a mistake. Matt Corral rolls to his right, throws really back across his body, incomplete to Jason Pellerin. And then one of the better plays here, that was the um, – let me back up a second. I've gotten my, my Willie Gay plays. There are so many of these Willie Gay plays in the fourth quarter that I've lost track here. But this is the one where Willie gets his hands up and bats the ball down. And uh, really, really, really was a big play. It was going to be a touchdown if it wasn't. But now it's the game on the line. thinking, okay, let's just hit here. Okay, it's third and goal. We know it's four down territory. And uh, they throw the ball to Elijah Moore. He took a big shot. He got into the end zone. And then uh, a dumb front rolled in, and he elected to do his uh, DK Metcalf impression and got the DK Metcalf unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, there are a lot of silly things that happen in football. I mean, there really are. There, there's a lot of people that uh, let their emotions get the better of them. This is one of those. I don't know Elijah Moore. He might be, you know, uh, you know, a Sunday school teacher or whatever, and a kid that, that you know volunteers at the animal shelter. I don't know. But this is one of the dumbest things that I have seen in the Egg Bowl under the circumstances. You have really been out of the game the entire second half. You've done next to nothing offensively. You convert a just an absolute wing and a prayer of a fourth and 24, and you're still in the ball game. And rather than just respecting the game, you do this. He made it about himself, and he paid for it. And he cost his team. And there's a lesson to be learned from all that. And, you know, I don't want to be too preachy, but I, but understand, a lot of young players need to see that sort of stuff and understand you can hurt your team by being stupid. And that's what Elijah Moore was, stupid. And I listen, and, and I, I heard the Matt Luke comments and say, well, you know, that's not who we are. Well, you know, Matt, the last two times that you guys have come to Stargill, that's what you've done. I think it's a lot closer to who you really are than who you claim to be. It proved to be one of the most devastating penalties because of what happened after that. And you guys are well aware of what happened. Luke Logan, who I'm sure is a great kid, uh, is forced to kick that extra point from much farther back, another an additional 15 yards. And he misses it. He pushes it right. He pushes it right. And the game is over. And then and it's crazy after that statement. I mean, it's like I guess they forgot it was it was an untimed down, and so everybody rushes the field. It was 
craziness. Cody Schecksnyder is running over there, bobbing, weaving, talking trash with Ole Miss players. You know, it was just craziness. Some Ole Miss players came on the field. I mean, you know, it was thankfully no nobody was no pushing or shoving or fighting or anything. It was just some hurt feelings. Uh, and so they have the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, and uh, they're offsetting. And then Ole Miss attempts the ex- the uh, onside kick. Javante Payton jumps on it. Schrader takes and the game's over. State again dominates a quarter. Nine minutes and fifty eight uh, minutes. Nine nine minutes fifty eight seconds of time of possession. Pretty much dominated that entire quarter. Should have put the game away. Didn't. Uh, but it is what it is. State finds a way to do it. Ole Miss rushing in the quarter. Minus one yards, minus one, but 124 yards passing. Incredible ending. So here are your final stats for those of you that hadn't seen it. Mississippi State actually outpasses Ole Miss, 210 to. Pardon me, it's rushing. Outrushed Ole Miss with 210 to 139. Passing Ole Miss 245, State 108, and of course. The bulk of the Ole Miss passage, you guys heard, 124 came, comes in the fourth quarter when they're trying to, to make a play late. Well, Matt Corral came in the ballgame. That's what he is. It's who he is. And I, tell you, I thought about this earlier. That there, there is an unintended benefit for Mississippi State in the uh, the new redshirt rule where you get a chance to play in four ball games and retain your redshirt. And if Matt Corral stays at Ole Miss, he has a chance to lose five egg balls. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, he, he lost last year. Retained the red shirt, plays this year as a freshman, loses again. So, uh, so Luke, you know, has a chance to have the dubious distinction of being one of the first players in, in NCAA history to lose five rivalry games in five seasons. So, Matt, good luck with that. I would like to. I would really like to see you achieve that. I think that is something that is a. It's a very good goal for you, Matt. So, final numbers here to uh, players. Kylan Hill started the day needing 176 yards to break. Anthony Dixon's school record. He comes up a little bit short, but thankfully he'll have another game to give it a try. Kylan, 27 carries for 132 yards, 28-yard long, 4.9 average. Nick Gibson probably needs to carry the ball more. Three carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Average 19 yards per carry. Schrader, 12 12 carries for just 19 yards. Did, Did have the sacks, and it really hurt him. Tucker Day, Gets into the rushing category, one carry, four yards. Dedrick Thomas, your leading receiver, four catches, 49 yards, along a 20. And then after that, it's a one it's a one catch thing. Farad Green, one for 23. Peyton, one for 11. Austin Williams, one for nine. Just didn't spread the ball around a whole lot and didn't really need to. You know, I think that's the thing. State was able to run the football so effectively. When we got away from it, we kind of let them sneak back in the ball game. Uh State does not allow a 100-yard rusher. Jerry and Ely, 15 carries for 82 yards, one touchdown, long of 14. Uh, John Rice Plumley, 18 carries for just 34 yards, one touchdown, uh, long of 12. Average 1.9 yards per carry. One of the most explosive players in the SEC, and he was the guy that I have read about for two weeks now for Mississippi State fans, basically ready to hand him the dadgum Heisman Trophy. So let's give the Mississippi State defense a little credit here. You can't sit here for for a month and tell me he's going to run over Mississippi State and then when he doesn't, just say he had a bad day. Mississippi State forced him into a bad day. Snoop Connor, 11 carries, 31 yards. It's an explosive rushing offense. Supposed to be one of the most explosive rushing offenses in all of college football. Runs for 139 yards on 47 carries. You can do the math on that, guys. You can do the I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Mississippi State went up there and shut down the Ole Miss rushing game, made them very one-dimensional. John Rice Plumley, 9 of 14 for 121 yards, no touchdowns, sacked three times. Matt Corral, 6 of 12 with a pick, sacked once, 124 yards. Like all of you, uh, my voice is about gone. And so, <laughs> doing the best I can uh, to make it through this show. Errol Thompson, your leading tackler with 11 tackles. Cam Dantzler, nine solo tackles on the day. Really big day for him. Uh, Marcus Murphy, eight tackles. Jaquarius Landrew, eight tackles. Big day. And what a difference it makes, right? What a difference it makes 
having Marcus Murphy, Lee Autry, and Willie Gay in the lineup. Jim Moore had made a point to point out that uh, Marcus Murphy and Willie Gay played together in three ball games: Kentucky, Arkansas, Ole Miss. We won all three. So here's uh, for, let, me, let me remind you guys: this Campus Bookmart, a longtime sponsor of the show. Uh, please give them your business. I, I love. The, I, I feel like they're family to me. I, I really do. I, I love everyone, everybody there. Love them. Uh, the lovely, talented Susie, Kathy Brown, Stan, the man over there. Every time I go over there, I always leave feeling better. And I don't think it's just because of me. I think they're just nice to everybody. So go by, find some great Mississippi State merchandise. It's Black Friday. They're gonna have plenty of things to choose from. And mom, let me go ahead and tell you. Dad and the kids, they all want new Mississippi State gear. And pretty soon, uh, they've already got their shirt designed and it's already been submitted to license. They're going to have their Egg Bowl championship shirts. Everybody's going to want that. They're going to have the bowl game shirts. Everybody's going to want that. So go ahead and plan ahead, Mom. Campus Bookmark can help you with that. And if you can't make it to town, visit them at campusbookmark.net. And by being a lawyer on your listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, bucks, absolutely incomplete. So, great job on Mississippi State here. So, bowl game talk. And I tell you, before I get, I, don't, I would be remiss. As I was leaving the field, I, uh, I noticed what a great job our students did. And uh, our students were a big part, I think, of that kid missing the extra point. And so as I'm leaving the field, I kind of pointed up to the student section, and I even bowed a couple times because I was so impressed. The kids are on Thanksgiving break, guys. Okay, the dorms are closed. But many of those kids traveled back to Starkville for this team, for our program, for the Egg Bowl, because it mattered to them. And so to the students, on behalf of everybody else, if nobody else says it, please allow me, this victory came to be because of you. Your players had to go out there and play, but you were there. You could have easily stayed home watching a game on TV. But late in the game, when they needed a lift, your cowbells were, were heard, your voices were heard, you waved your arms, you caused a bunch of trouble, and <laughs> that poor kid was lined up and kicked that extra point. So this one's for you. You take some credit, students. Very impressed that you came back. I am a proponent of our students. I take an interest in our students. Very grateful for our students. So thank you, Mississippi State students, for making the trip back to Starkville and, and being a part of this Egg Bowl victory. This is one you'll never forget. So the, the talk heading into the week was, if State wins, it's looking like a Tennessee Bowl game. With Missouri not winning their appeal, they will not be bowl eligible. Okay, now you know Ole Miss won't be bowl eligible. So running the numbers here, on, on the western side of things, you know that Arkansas and Ole Miss will not be going to a bowl game. On the eastern side, you know that Vanderbilt and Missouri will not be going to a bowl game. South Carolina, not going to a bowl game. Okay, so that's five of the 14 schools. So you've got nine that it should make it, but it doesn't look like uh, that there will be a bowl, for, a bowl team from the SEC for the Liberty Bowl unless somehow something crazy happens and, um, you know, we don't get as many in the New Year's Six as we're expecting. I'm told that Memphis and Nashville want Mississippi State terribly. Texas Bowl, I guess, could be a consideration. They'll be in the mix. But it'll be one of those three. But the, the, the money that the discussion Saturday night, or Thursday night, excuse me, was more about the uh, Music City Bowl. We haven't been since 2011. We haven't played Vanderbilt since 2009. So we have not played a football game in Nashville nearly a decade. It'd be a great trip for our fans. Wouldn't be a bad trip anyway. Uh, doesn't con uh, conflict with New Year's or Christmas. So we'll get a chance to go up there and, and have a good time. Uh, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to have a chance to go. Because like everybody else, there, I, was, I was terrified. I was thinking, you know, this, this can't be the end of our run. This can't be. I don't want to give the egg back. I don't want to sit home. I want to go to the bowl game. And so we got to, we took care of both. We, we, we kept the egg. We achieved bowl eligibility. Now we're headed to a bowl game. And I'm so relieved for our seniors. Adara Williams was very emotional after the ball game. 
He's a leader. You know, he's, he's one of the captains on the team. It was such a stressful week for him and for really all these seniors. But a guy like Daryl, you know, he's been here through it all. He's had guys like Elton Jenkins and Deion Calhoun to kind of mentor him. And he did not want that streak to end on his watch. And it won't. It won't. And Daryl got injured, came back and played. Last game at Davis Wade Stadium, he wasn't going to stay out of the ballgame. And he came back, instrumental in that last touchdown drive. So we're going to a bowl game. And I've shared all year, I don't care if it's a bug, te- bug Tesla, Texas. I-, I don't care if it's Wilhelmina, Washington. No, I don't care where it is. We need, with this young team, we need all the bowl practices we can get. It's officially basketball season up the road, and we're still playing football here in Starkville. And we can get up and brush our teeth in the reflection of the Golden Egg tomorrow morning if we want to. Very, very happy. So let's move on to, uh, to the Joe Moorhead discussion. I'm not going to get too animated about this. I, I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to get on here and, and rant and rave. But uh, there, there's a lot more rumors than there, are, than there is truth out there. And uh, some of it is really despicable. Some of it is really, really despicable. And uh, my hope is, is that uh, those of you that have kind of fallen victim to some of this rumor mongering, rather than come to the rest of us, go back to those people and ask them what happened. Go back and what happened to your source? What's going on? What happened to your source? One of the things that I want to share with you now, again, I'm not going to be very animated about this. There was a rumor going around and, and if, if, we're, if we're going to start including, uh, you know, third third party football handicappers as uh, as credible media sources, y'all just go ahead and let me off at the next stop, okay? I'm just not going to do it, guys. I'm not I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to respond to it. I'm not going to be a part of it. But the rumor was that we had negotiated a buyout with Joe Moorhead overnight. Now. Do you think for a second, okay? I'm going to ask you guys to just listen to me and use your minds here for a second. If you don't understand, maybe have somebody else explain it to you. Do you really think that Mark Keenum and John Cohen would negotiate a buyout with the coach the day of the Egg Bowl and then trot him out there to coach in the game to decide our bowl eligibility? As much as Mark Keenum and John Cohen want to win the Egg Bowl, why in the world would we put ourselves in a situation to send a lame duck coach out to coach our football team? That is some of the dumbest stuff I've ever heard. It's ridiculous. And rather than just use our minds, we just take it. Hey, this guy tweeted it. It's got to be correct. No, it wasn't correct. It wasn't correct. But that doesn't stop us from spreading it. I mean, I couldn't even, I mean, I'm sitting here trying to cover the ball game. I'm getting 25, 30 texts an hour. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I didn't respond to any of it. I had some of your players in pregame, some of your players, some of their families reaching out saying, hey, what's going on, Steve? What's going on? I read in this Facebook group or I read on Twitter, I read on this, that, that Coach Moore's leaving. It's going to be, it's going to crush our kids. It's going to be devastating to my son to find out that his coach isn't going to be here. And then rather than use our brains and kind of question and say, hey, does this make any sense? No, we just retweet it. We'll just take a screenshot. You know, I don't know if this has made it over to the Facebook group. Let me go ahead and just take a screenshot and I'll go ahead and spread this garbage over there too. But again, don't come to me with that. Go back to them. And I want you to go back and ask them. What happened? What happened to your source? And then in the future, be a little more discriminating about that sort of stuff. I mean, guys, we had the egg ball to play. We had a game that was set to determine our season. Do you really believe we're going to fire the coach before the ball game? What sense does that make? We are budgeted every single year. You know that 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 we budget for a ball game every year. That money's already spent. That money is part of your operating budget for next year. And we're just going to just forfeit all that. We're just going to go ahead and say, ah, you know what? Let's just go ahead and turn this guy loose. 
Now, we don't really want the golden egg. We don't want to go on the pole. You know, we want to make a few malcontents happy on social media. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And, you know, and, and the thing that's so aggravating to me about it is that it's our people doing things to the detriment of Mississippi State. But I'm going to move on from that. Maybe we'll talk about it another time. But for now, on this Maroon Friday, we're going to celebrate, in fact, that we still have the golden egg for 365 more days. And we're going to enjoy every single one of them. And one of those days, we're going to line up and go play in a ball game. And it probably won't be too far for you guys to travel. So my hope is you'll go ahead and make some plans. And we'll go cheer for the Bulldogs one more time on the football field. And by the time that's over, we'll be getting ready to play conference play in men's and women's basketball. Big night on the court for the women last night. Expect that uh, to continue. But today it's all about the egg. Today it's all about winning the golden egg. It's about the direction of our program. We've had some difficult things to overcome. Now, this a win against Ole Miss does not erase our problems. And let's be abundantly clear about that. All that means is we've won the egg. But we've had some very difficult mountains to climb this year, having to basically have four games to play some of our best players on defense. But despite it all, despite some injuries, and Tommy Stevens has had three pretty serious injuries, you had the AC joint separation in the shoulder, you had the big high ankle sprain, now you've got a rib injury. Yeah, it's like the kid's made of glass. And it's so unfortunate because he, he is a very talented player and he's a really nice kid. And you think, man, why isn't this working out for this guy? But it is what it is. But despite all the injuries to the quarterback position, despite the injuries and recurring injuries at the cornerback position, despite our inexperience at tackle, we still found a way to retain the egg and get to a bowl game. We have survived the season. It is so incredibly reminiscent to 2013. Four and six needed to get a couple wins in the last couple ball games, including one over Ole Miss, to extend the season. We just needed to survive the season. We've done it. We've done it. Now, does that mean that uh, we're okay with walking out there and uh, you know being unprepared in some ball games? No, that's 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 got to that's got to get better. Are we okay being a soft football team? No, I don't think anybody's happy with that. That's got to change. And if that means we got to change some personnel to do it, then we got to do it. We got to get back to being Mississippi State. Got to get back to playing hard-nosed Mississippi State football. Does winning the Egg Bowl mean that uh, we're okay with all the special teams? That's the one constant we've had this year is special teams issues. No, that's got to be corrected. And so while winning covers a multitude of sin, we can't be short-sighted and say, okay, we won the Egg Bowl and we're going back to bowl game, so everything is fine. Everything's not fine, okay? Everything is not fine. But at least we get the benefit Winning the rivalry game, getting the ball practice sessions in, especially with Garrett Schrader, he needs that time, okay? He needs the opportunity to kind of get a springboard in the spring. Not to mention, we're going to be breaking in a lot of new receivers, some new skill position players. We're going to need the benefit of those ball practices. We're going to need a lot of spring. But we've still got a lot of things we've got to fix. And those of us that love Mississippi State, we all understand that. We may express it differently, but we all want the same things. So now John Cohen and, and Joe got to sit down. You know, there, there's some things that are going to have to be ironed out. Okay, listen. We see a lot of the same things. There's got to be some change. You know, we, we can't go out there next year and go six and six. Okay? And thankfully, you know, that Tudor Gate stuff is behind us, and everybody's going to be eligible to play in the bowl game. Everybody's already served their penalty. That's, that's behind us now. And so we'll enter next year, and we should have the full complement of the roster for all 12 regular season games. And the schedule kind of flips back into our favor. It's a very manageable schedule next year. We ought to be a solid bowl team again, especially with Garrett Schrader under center for us. But we've got some things we've got to fix. We can't go out there and play uh, lethargic as we did against Tennessee. We can't go out there and just kind of mail it in against Alabama either. You know, we've got we've still got some problems. And the good thing is, is that we didn't have to, you know, lose a season. We didn't have to see the streak in. We didn't have to give the egg back in order for us to learn the lesson. Now we've got plenty of time to begin to address those things between now and next year. 
and hopefully put a more polished product on the field next year. Because I just don't think, you know, as, as toxic as this past couple of weeks has been, I don't think that the Mississippi State fan base is going to be forgiving next year if we continue to have these same issues. If it continues to happen, I think even the truest of the true maroon would say, you know what, this was a mistake. It's not going to work out. But for now, we've bought a little time. Now let's go fix our issues. Let's go win a bowl game, and let's fix our issues and kind of fine-tune some things offensively because I think we're going to be really good on defense next year. I think we're going to be outstanding on defense next year. But let's figure some things out offensively. You've got the biggest piece, and that's your quarterback. When you've got your quarterback, he can make the people around you better. And we all know that kid's a winner. And all the pre the pregame talk was about what John Rice Plumley was going to do. And you know what? Our kid's pretty good, too. And our kids want to know when the Egg Bowl, and their kid's not. We'll be back on Monday, folks. Enjoy your weekend. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.